Hello and welcome to the Controller Talk podcast presented by Danfoss North America. Our goal is to bring you information about using Danfoss controls in the supermarket and warehouse industry, specifically in the U.S. and Canada. We're doing these twice a month for now. You can catch these podcasts on Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, or as the saying goes, wherever you get your podcast. And it's also available through the Danfoss Ref Tools app. For the video version, check us out on the Danfoss North America YouTube page. Search for Controller Talk to see our video library. I'm Dave Yoder, along with Chris Brown. Well, Chris, we're trying something new today. This will be a long distance interview with a guy that many people have come across if you've been in the business for more than five years. And that is Ken Roberts, who worked for EIL, ECI, and Danfoss. He was a training guy for young technicians coming up through the ranks, a field service guy, and a field engineer. In fact, he retired from Danfoss just a few years ago. We thought it might be interesting to talk to these guys to take their take on retirement and talk about things they experienced in their careers. Yep. It'll be good to catch up with Ken. It's been a few years since I talked to him. Yeah, it'll be good to see where he's at. Right, right. He seems like he's uh, doing all sorts of things down there and enjoying it. Yep, for sure. And now let's go to our interview with Ken Roberts. Hello, Ken, and welcome to the podcast. Good afternoon. How many podcasts have you been uh, a part of? Uh, this would be my first. Okay, awesome. All right. Hey, um, how long ago did you retire, and um, is it something you recommend for the rest of us? Uh, I retired five and a half years ago. Uh, I'm enjoying 95% of it. <laughs> uh, okay. And yes, I very much recommend. I mean, that was one of my driving goals when you work is to be able to retire and do the things you'd like to do. Okay. And enjoy life. Yep. Yep. And when, when you retired, there seemed like there was not a lot of guys retiring from the energy controls business, at least not from Danfoss at that time. So, so what have been, what have you been doing with your time since then? Well, when you work with Danfoss, it's a uh, 60 or 70 hour work week. So to go into retirement and do nothing is too much of a change. So um, I, I'm the president of my HOA, which uh, takes up some of my time. And then I'm a uh, logistics uh, volunteer for the Red Cross. That deals with the, some of the rest of my time. And when I'm around the house, uh, I have my coin collection and I do jigsaw puzzles. Okay. I think I am jealous. Yeah, it sounds like a good deal. Hey, Ken, how you doing? It's Chris. How you doing, Chris? I'm doing good. It's been a while. My first question for you is, um, I wasn't around for it, but when did you get your start in refrigeration? Uh, I got my start from refrigeration when I was in the military uh, in the U.S. Navy, and I went in as a trained vocational carpenter. But the military has different ideas about training, and they like the idea that you know nothing about what they're going to teach you. So they immediately changed me from being what I thought would be a CB uh, to a diesel mechanic. And I learned uh, the mechanics of an engine and what have you, which led me into the refrigeration uh, field. And that's that's where I started working refrigeration on submarines. 
So I guess you didn't just jump right into controls then. It was a little bit more of an evolution before you got into that side of it. No, I, as I came up, uh, I spent 14 and a half years with Hill Refrigeration work building the racks and the cases, spent about four years in the factory, and then the other 10 years was out doing uh, Publix account down in Florida. Yep. And I began to realize back then uh, we went from a conventional racks where you just had one compressor and a thermostat and one condenser to uh, what they call dual mates when they first came out and we put two and then three compressors on it with discharge manifolds so that we can now uh, bring in multiple systems. And with that, I began to see that electronic controls were going to be a part of this. So I took several uh, community college courses in electronics so that uh, the one guy that I worked with <laughs> used to call resistors, uh, barracks and capacitors were water towers uh, when he talked about a, a circuit board. And I, I wanted to know a little bit more uh, technical than that. I got so you. I began to learn the electronics and how that would interface, eventually interface with controlling. And once I started to get a handle on that is when I converted from Hill Refrigeration into uh, ECI, and which then became Danfoss. Now you kind of answered the next question I had for you, but you took some classes there, but um, was it a lot of requirements to, to get into controls back then, or was that more you just being proactive taking those classes? I guess it's more being proactive that you continue to realize that you have to continue to learn. Uh, I think anybody that's serious about refrigeration, even the guy that comes on today, needs to know that it is a constantly changing career uh, with the different refrigerants, the different lubrications, the different types of compressors, defrost. Uh, you know, it's constantly changing, and you've got to be open to that and not let it get frustrated when you don't understand it, you know, all the time and and it just takes some time and energy. Uh, I feel sorry for the guy that starts today that has to try to uh, recap all the stuff that's come along before. You know, when I started, uh, you know, it was shortly after the ice cube, uh, an ice box type deal. So I kind of grew with it uh, where now it's uh, like coming on with the space shuttle as opposed to being on a, uh, you know, I, when I came on, it was kind of a covered wagon, very basic. Yeah. just You need the brain dump now and, and then go from there. So, I mean, when those controls were first starting to get introduced, were, were a lot of people open to the idea or were they kind of skeptical about moving over to electronic controls? Well, I, I ran into problems, uh, like uh, one thing that comes to mind over in Maryville, uh, Tennessee, um, at a Winn-Dixie, one of the technicians uh, was on vacation, so another technician came in. And this store was one of the first to have electronic controls, CDAs, uh, controlling those. And when the other technician came in and it thought it wasn't working correctly, the first thing he did was put a meter on it saw it was only 12 volts and immediately put a jumper on it so that he could get it up to 120. Uh, <laughs> shortly thereafter, there was a lot of capacitors that lost their fur. 
uh, so. boards just, you know, took them all out, took the valves out and everything else. So keep in mind when it first came on, it wasn't so much that they were skeptical. It was the fact that they did not have the training and they were used to being able to, everything was 120 or 220. Yeah. And the idea that's a low voltage in Iraq with all this other high voltage um, was, was very confusing for them and frustrating. So it took time to begin to be able to separate the electronics, which of course we did instead of putting it in the same cabinet uh, as we do now, basically put it in a, a separate cabinet. When you were in the field, your main customers were Winn-Dixie, Bilo, and, and several other ones, right? Correct. Harris Teeter uh, that were down here as I started. Okay. And that grew to going all across the country and over into Coles for Australia and uh, did a couple stores down in Dominican Republic and uh, up in Canada. Yeah. Uh, so I definitely uh, got a chance to see a good portion of the world. Yeah. Yeah. And um, and as the training director there for EIL and ECI, um, they had a habit of hiring guys right out of technical school. So you got those guys when they were green, right? Uh, pretty much so, yeah. Uh, again, um, most refrigeration guys I found had to learn on their own that people did not, they figured they, they learned one from the other type deal, which was okay until you got into electronics. Uh, at that point, you could see if a compressor was bad or a valve wasn't functioning. You know, it was mostly mechanical. And when it got into electronics, of course, that was where the problem was that you can't see, you know, a bad uh, a gear or a bad lever or a broken relay. Uh, and it became much more difficult for these guys. And so that's where, when I did the training, we would always start, I would always start from scratch because you could not assume where their education level was on the electronic controls. Yeah. Yep. I do remember uh, as a newbie, taking my first flight to uh, Charlotte to meet up with Ken for two weeks. After the first week, I thought, maybe this isn't for me. <laughs> uh, and then finally the light bulb went on and uh, I actually started to, to pick up a few things. And, and Ken was right about a lot of things back then about uh, learning the basics and getting your feet under you, getting some confidence and then moving on. Um, so yeah, those are things that uh, I will hold on to for quite a while. He had me down at uh, College Park. That's some chopper stores down there. Early on. I don't know if you remember that or not, but I sure do. Yeah. That was me early on. Yep. Yeah. Even when I did uh, like Win Dixie here and when they were in Charlotte would have me come up and do training uh, when I was with Hill, just because the basic mechanic sometimes didn't even understand refrigeration. Uh, what was inside the pipe, whether it should be hot, cold, high pressure, low pressure, you know, what the condenser was supposed to be doing and how you could check it. So my thing was basically a lot of guys that I worked with mechanics out in the field was getting them to understand the basics. 
rather than just, uh, well, the compressor doesn't run, change the compressor. Well, you got to know what the compressor does and how to check and what should be going in, what should be coming out. And if it got tore up, you know, what could have caused it? Because if they were having liquid flooding coming and it was tearing up the compressor, just changing the compressor was not going to solve their problem. So when that, that Danfoss journey was starting to come to a close for you, was there anything kind of looking back at it now, any big technology changes that were coming on as you were starting to step out that you can remember? Well, I realized it was much more a younger man's game. I retired. I was 65 and a half. And I firmly believe that my belief anyway is that the brain is like the computer and there's only so much data storage. <laughs> and my data storage was just about used up. And I didn't know where the delete button was to get rid of stuff I didn't need anymore. <laughs> so it was time for you know somebody with a, a newer brain. Uh, as I was, I can remember back when I was, you know, in my late 20s, early 30s, my brain was uh, pretty much a sponge and uh, the different stuff I learned from Sporlin and Copeland and whatever uh, I could pick up and run with. And now uh, it was no longer refrigeration. We were now talking electronics. And of course, you're flying all over the place. So now you've got time management, you've got uh, you know, travel and hotels, different cars every day, trying to remember what color your rental car was and where you parked it when you got to the, the store. <laughs> then we went from 300 baud phone lines into internet and now setting up IP addresses and what have you, uh, as well as taking over lighting, uh, air conditioning, heating, uh, and other you know, the field just continued to get larger and larger. And uh, I, I figured it was time that I stepped off the the uh, proverbial uh, hamster wheel before I made a fool of myself. <laughs> <laughs> it's a safe play. I like it. Yeah. I guess looking back at all that, I mean, if you, if you think about somebody new just starting to step into the industry and, and not just refrigeration, but controls as well, is there any big piece of advice you'd give out to somebody like that? Don't take it too personal. <laughs> it's just a job and you got to work at it. And, you know, I've always said that you don't know, you would never know you had a good day if you don't have a bad day. So when you have a bad day, just let it go. Do the best you can do, learn from it, hopefully, and move on. I like yeah. that. <laughs> yep. So, uh, Ken, do you think we missed anything in our questioning? I don't think so. You know, just an average guy doing an average job and, <laughs> and life goes on. But yep. Yep. yeah, I, I strongly recommend and I, of course, keep in touch with, you know, several uh, employees there at Dan Foss yet. And as Brian says, you know, they tend to live through me of yep. what I'm doing and, and how life is for me because, you know, that was the carrot that was dangled in front of you while you're working is to be able to retire. Yeah. And, you know, as you said earlier, I didn't know of anybody that retired from Dan Foss. They either died or, <laughs> or, you know, ended their career because of a medical, um, an issue, uh, problem, or uh, yeah. issue that yeah. came up in their life. 
and I didn't want to go and retire at 72 or 73 type deal when after I had a heart attack and I couldn't go do things. Right. So it was important to me to retire at 65 uh, when I could yeah. and still be healthy and able to go enjoy life. And, you know, we've taken a train trip uh, from Chicago out to Seattle, down to L.A. and back to Chicago. Uh, two years ago, before the pandemic, we went up uh, to Vancouver and up through um, Alaska and coming down into Anchorage. Uh, so we, we're looking forward to next month going to Nova Scotia and spending two months or two weeks up there. Uh, we enjoy checking out lighthouses. Oh, cool. Uh, and that's what it should be. You know, that's that's what I was told when I first started uh, back at 16 and a half at McDonald's that you worked hard, you saved some money for retirement. And of course, then I was lied to because they said 55 <laughs> and now, now it's 66 or 68. So they keep moving the carrot, but you know, it's important to be able to, uh, to have a goal. Um, the only thing that I've run into is I've more or less run out of goals. You have that goal of doing good on the job site and retiring. And I'm not sure what my next goal is once you retire. Uh, you're just kind of waiting out time at this point. Yep. Well, it's been a real pleasure having you on the podcast. Definitely. And of course, we wish you uh, continued success in retirement. Um, so I guess this means if something opens up in tech support, we're not supposed to call you, right? Uh, I wouldn't be much better. You, you'd do as well as just to get somebody off the street at this point. <laughs> okay, fair enough. All right. And um, now, if you're familiar with the podcast, we have something called Stump Chris, where we like to give questions to Chris. You, um, I, want, I want an answer on that first part, though. Have you listened to the podcast before? Yes, I did listen to your first two podcasts. There we go. Okay. Good man. We're just checking. That makes three listeners. Yep. Nice. <laughs> Um, so this, uh, I always throw this question at Chris, so I thought we would play a round of Stump Ken today. You see, I'm not sweating, right? That's right. Yeah. And we want to see if you've forgotten all of your Danfoss knowledge or not. So are you ready for a question? Uh, I can spell Danfoss yet. <laughs> Very good. That's a start. Okay. So if you think back to the 255, there was a maximum number of points you could put in that controller. And let's say you wanted to add up all of your relays and all your digital inputs. What was the maximum number you could squeeze in there? Well, you could do what? Up to eight boards and there was eight relays per board. True. Yes. And basically the same on inputs. Right. The only problem that you had is if you were, we used the old modules, if you only used because they had to be incremented to about eight per input. Mm -hmm. If you only use two of them, it still took up those eight points as a digital input as opposed to an analog input mm -hmm. uh, and would use up your points that way. Okay. So I have a feeling you don't know the answer here, Ken. Phone a friend. Phone a friend. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember the exact number of... Yeah. Now, if you, uh, if you added up the relays and the digital inputs then your total was 255 and that's all you could squeeze into the controller. But um, you'll be glad to know we have some great consolation prizes for you. 
<laughs> My consolation prize is I'm retired. <laughs> <laughs> That's not so bad. Well, thanks uh, for taking time to be with us today. And uh, like I said, we wish you well uh, in retirement. Yep. Thanks, Ken. All right. Take care, guys. Good to see you. See ya. Bye. If you'd like to drop us an email with a suggestion for topics to cover, a question, or comment, you can email us at controllertalknorthamerica at danfoss.com. On our next podcast, we'll talk to everyone's favorite Cajun, Mike Celestin. Thanks for listening. Our studio and video engineers are Michael, don't call me Mike Beckerman, and Jordan the Man Larson. Our audio engineer is that international man of mystery himself, Raul Garcia. Until next time, for Chris Brown, I'm Dave Yoder. Stay cool. <laughs>